the curfew at this point. Uh, how how big is the scope of this problem right now? Is it is it? Can you tell from where you are? Yeah, I mean it, it has certainly gotten more centralized than it was. Go 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 go! Excuse me. Hold on, hold on. Move, move. We're getting thrown flashbangs right where we're standing there, so we're moving off. There is a no man's land right here. You can see police are pushing them back that way. I mean, that's where the protesters are, and they're going to get pushed. You see this guy with the rifle moving in to fire more. Watch this guy. I think those are bullets. Oh, we're right in the gas here. We're moving, but I'll keep talking to you. So we saw that guy firing non-lethal rounds, kind of chasing folks off. This guy's pushing us back. There's a line of police down. I'm with you. I'm watching your back. Just keep Lots of tear gas. We got to go. Yes, sir. We're moving. So we have turned, because <coughs> we are fully, oh, God, it's miserable. We are fully in the cloud of gas right now. Hits the back of your throat. Watch this pole parry. <laughs> that was a very strong push that we saw there, the more than we've seen most of today. People are throwing stuff back at the cops, but there's completely a cloud that we're in. Stick with us. Just give me a second here. It's miserable. They pushed people entirely back from the intersection where those two cars were burning. A lot of gas. I saw non-lethal, what looked like it, kind of a, what looks like a rifle, but you can tell he was firing to kind of hit them, chase them off. We're going to keep going. Our photographer is coughing and I, my face is burning. More explosions from up there. I mean, look at that surreal image, though. The public market sign surrounded by smoke and gas and this tactical presence in downtown Seattle. It's honestly, it's unreal. There's another firecracker. These are troubling times. COVID-19, record unemployment, worldwide uncertainty, and mass civil chaos. Our world as we know it is in shambles, and we as Christians need to seek clarity. You're on top of the mount with Darren Waddles. Hello everyone, again, I'm your host, Darren Waddles. These are some perplexing times to be living in, and indeed ones that are very uncomfortable to think about and discuss, but I believe we need to talk. So I ask you to please bear with me as we reflect upon the lives of Maude Aubrey and George Floyd and how we seek clarity and bind us together in brotherly love. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up? 
like a raisin in the sun, or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat, or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load, or does it explode? Those are the words from the poem A Dream Deferred, written by Langston Hughes, a very famous African-American poet and author. And those are words that I think ring throughout the ages, not only in the African-American community, but all of us, of a festering hate, a festering pain, a festering oppression that builds and builds until the pressure cannot take any more and we snap. Don't believe me? Just look around. Turn on the news. Read a newspaper. Pick up a magazine. You will see just what I'm talking about. Look at the COVID quarantine. What are people doing right now? They're protesting the government on open the economy up. Open the states up. Let us get out of our house. People are demonstrating on the streets. Flaunting civil disobedience. And on the other spectrum. We have the racial unrest of justice undefined. And we have protests and riots that have popped up all across the United States and in other continents, justly or unjustly, in response to the murders of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. The saddest part about this whole entire unfortunate events going on in our nation and around the world is we are showing our true colors as humanity. And that is we have exposed the hate in our hearts, not necessarily against color, but hatred between one another, whether it be ideological, racial, sexual, even spiritual. We have shown our true colors on the distrust and expose the hatred between one another. Granted, what is happening in our world is nothing new. We've seen events so horrific and perplexing before. Even in the Bible, it even says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 9, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Think back. We've been through a very peaceable time in the country. 
Sure, we had 9-11, which was not, was not peaceable. But in the relative spectrum of things, we have been through a very long peacetime. Looking back at 1918, the Spanish flu, World War I, then following World War II, the Great Depression, all occurred in just a short period of time. And then, in American society, relatively, we had peace. Not as major as that was. But here we are in 2020. And it seems like the world had turned upside down. It's the hate pitted against those with masks and those without. It's Republican against Democrat. Christian against atheist. Black against white. Hate is all around us. And the question we need to ask ourselves is... How do we resolve this hate? And I believe the answer to that question in resolving hate comes from a verse we see so much nowadays. But, even though it seems to be a cliche, it is relevant. And that is 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, that right there is key, that we must humble ourselves and pray It is time and time again. If you actually pay attention to the spiritual world, it is prayer and humbling yourself. They're in this whole series of time during COVID-19 and quarantine. And we got relaxed in quarantine. And then we got cabin fever from being relaxed in quarantine. And the frustration has caused us to become hateful of one another. But it's not just the hate that is in the atmosphere. Because in Romans 3.23, we find, For all have sinned, and all fall short of the glory. And of those things, in Galatians 5 and 19 through 20, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfishness, ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. I don't care what your ideology is, or what your sex is, or what your identification is, whether you're black, white, or purple with pink polka dots, it doesn't matter because none of us are perfect. Each of us are flesh and therefore we are corruptible. But back to Second Chronicles 7 and 14, it says if we humble ourselves, we have to acknowledge that we are not perfect. Yeah, I'm talking to 
everyone listening right now. Because there's a lot of hypocritical Christians out there right now in this world as we speak that you're better than everybody else. You need to get off your high horse and acknowledge this. It doesn't matter your pedigree, where you come from, or what kind of car you drive or clothes you wear. It doesn't matter. You're no better than anybody else that draws breath. And there's only one person standing in the way between you and God. And that person is you. Now again, it also says in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 that we must turn from our wicked ways after we humble ourselves and pray and seek God. What are you doing in quarantine? Are you actually practicing what you are praying for? Because if so, let's look back at Galatians and see what is actually in our hearts and see how that reflects on our society and see that it says adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies. All of this is going on right now nationwide as we speak. There is hatred, division, there is dissensions, there is covetousness, looting of stores, burning of property, destruction of property, and heresy. Look at what happened in the last couple of weeks. You had that church down in Mississippi that was burnt to the ground because people were offended that they were assembling in a church. And then look at what they did in Washington, D.C. during the, the uh, racial unrest. Uh, they tried to burn down St. John's Episcopal Church, which is the historic church uh, next to the White House. Guys, this is a wake-up call. It is not only a wake-up call just for us, but as the body of the church and also as a world. Because in Colossians 3 and 8, it says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Following up with that, Philippians 3 and 2, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Those are the people we are trying not to be, the dogs. And I'm not saying as in like a physical dog, but these are the filthy things, the wicked things that we just talked about in Galatians. We do not need to mimic that. Rather, we need to seek clarity, and we need to be the image of good, of what the world needs to be like, and this time more than any other time in history. And we should do this because, in Revelations 21, 7-8, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son." But the cowardly, the unbelieving, 
the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and the liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what is the resolution then? What do we need to do? How will we equip ourselves to become the entity we need to be to make this world a better place? Jesus was asked the question of the commandments, which are the greatest. And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And follows along with Second Corinthians on why we need to seek him to find the clarity. But the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It doesn't say who the neighbor is. And it's vague for a reason. Your neighbor could be Republican, Democrat, white, black, Hispanic. They could be transgendered. They could be all the things you possibly hate. But you must love them. Because if you cannot love them, how then can you follow the Great Commission in making a disciple of another person. I know I'm stepping on toes. And I know I'm making people mad right now. But it needs to be said, because the isms of our world, sexism, racism, partisanism, need to be put down. And we need to uplift in love with our neighbor. How then can we find a solution to the chaos that's going on in the world exactly right now? Granted, what's happening is nothing new in history. There will always be political discord. There will always be bigoted people out there who will cause trouble. And likewise, in the Bible, we have those situations. We have evidence of racism in the Bible, in which we go back to Numbers 12 and verse 1. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Why was that controversial? They got upset. After leaving the promised land and going through all these things in the middle of the wilderness, now they're upset because Moses married a black woman. Now let's fast forward from the Old Testament to the New in Matthew 5 and 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What does this mean? 
this means love thy neighbor as thyself. No matter what they look like, act like, or are, or believe, love them. 1 Corinthians 3 and 13, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, to dive a little deeper into why we need to love one another, all of our neighbors, is because in Acts 17 and 26, it says that, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So what does that mean? That all ethnic groups, all ideologies are made with one blood and we are the same. So if we hate one, we hate them all. So you're probably thinking that's a little bit far-fetched. But think about it. Go back to 1 John 3.15 where it says... Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So right there, we know that the ante has been increased. That not only are you committing the sin of hatred, but if you're hating someone, you're also a murderer in the eyes of God. And I completely understand Loving everyone is not easy, but hate is easy to get into your heart. If you do not repent, pray, and seek God, how else are you going to seek clarity and, and separate yourself from the dogs of the world? Now, concerning those people out there that you need to separate yourself from, you also need to interact with them because that is in the Great Commission. Though they may hate you, you must love them. Though they may have cost you your job, though they may have burnt down your property, you must still love them because even Jesus says to Peter in their conversation in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So let's do the math real quick. 70 times seven is 490. There's 24 hours in a day. 60 minutes in every hour. Multiply the hours to the minutes and divide by 490. That means you have to forgive someone every three minutes. That seems outrageous. But what that means is that we must forgive them despite everything they may be doing or have done. We must love them rather than hate them. As mentioned earlier, this is not the first time in history where we have encountered 
unrest in our society and racial discord. In the 1960s, we had a lot of unrest, uh, civil unrest uh, during the free love movement and uh, racial unrest on the civil rights movement. And in that time of the uh, summer of love, we saw a lot of all you need is love from the Beatles. We, we've seen a lot of we need no war, but we need love. But in that movement, there wasn't a connection of brotherly love. It became a sexual love that you just do whatever you want. Whatever feels good is right. That came out of the movement instead of the intent of the movement. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, that's kind of odd. Well, in English, love means multiple things. But if we look back to the Greek, love is interpreted in many facets. You have what came out of the free love movement, eros love, which is passionate love between a male or a female. The love that we see nowadays, the philutia love, which is all about self. Then there is pragma, which is the long-lasting love between friends or family that never ends. Philia, which is a friendly love. And most importantly, especially when we're talking about Christianity, is agape love, which is a selfless love and one that, that we can connect with God. And right there, we can find the root of the problem of today, both civilly and racially, is that our focus, especially Nowadays that you hear all about mental health is self-love. Loving yourself, whatever makes you feel good, must be right. Quite the contrary. In order for us to connect with our brothers and our neighbors, we have to have a philia, a pragma, a agape love. That is how we are going to change the atmosphere we live in. During this time of chaos, even in quarantine, we must be friendly and selfless. How can I help the other person? Not how can I help myself. American government, which I don't have time to really go into that, is politically, solely based on self-interest. Clinton, Bill Clinton, when he ran for president, said it best. It's the economy, stupid. People are worried about what's in their pockets. They could care less about their neighbor. It's what's in their pockets. That's how they vote. We are selfish. And selfishness brings hate between one another that 
you have something that I don't have, so therefore I need that. Look at what's happening in the Black Lives Matter movement, which is legitimate. Yes, it is legitimate. Look at all the generations throughout history, from slavery to Reconstruction to uh, segregation to the Civil Rights Movement to integration. Look at all this that's going on. There's still problems out there, and we need to listen to them. Sure, all lives do matter, but right now, our brothers and our sisters in the African-American community are not being heard. And I know for a fact in my family, if you don't listen to us when we're talking to you, we get pretty ticked off. Imagine how they feel right now if you're not listening to them. And that's spans generation to generation to generation. They are not heard. Listen to them. What better way to be a friend than to listen? I was reading an article from USA Today during weekend of riots that there was a group out in Kansas that sat and talked and ate lunch with police officers to resolve a problem. Rather than hating one another, they broke bread together, talked out their differences, and shared love. There may have been disagreements, but they showed compassion and listened to one another as friends and built a bridge rather than burning it down. On that note, we can look to Leviticus 19, 17-18. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Likewise, Proverbs 18 and 19, A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a castle. So there we see that we must do our best to connect with those around us the best we possibly can and still walk in the faith so we can fulfill our role in the Great Commission to build and make disciples of others. We must love one another. We must build up one another, not hate one another. But in the case that, let's say, your friend, your brother is doing wrong against you, it says in Romans 12, 19, that vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It is not our obligation to get back at them. We, our job, is to forgive them and continue to love. Sure, it's hard, but we must strive. Because being a Christian, guess what? It ain't easy, but we got to try. And when we fall, we get up. 
We must strive to do our best to make our society, make the church, make our community a better place to fulfill our role. The mentality, on the other hand, of this world is an eye for an eye. And as we find from Gandhi, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And just like it said in Proverbs, if we offend our brother, then it is like a fortress with walls. We lost them. And whose fault is it? Our own. Because we took ourself first. We put it first before them. That is not the kind of love we need to share. Rome fell almost 2,000 years ago. And Rome was not a pretty place. It was a very sinful place if you read your Bible. It even is brought up and mentioned several times because that is what the apostles, Jesus, And some of the martyrs and the later prophets in the New Testament had to deal with is the Roman Empire. It was not a good place to be. But how different are we from Rome? Sure, we don't have political assassinations every 25 minutes. Sure, we don't have the Colosseum, a bloodbath before us every every hour of the day. And we don't do it for sport either. But look around America, North America, around the world. Look on social media. How different are we? We may not be doing it in person, but look at the comments. How nasty we are. How brutal we are to other people. Tearing them down. Destroying them by words. Look At our society as we speak, those who are out there protesting and those that are destroying things. Both spectrums, to the left and to the right of the political arena. How different are we from Rome? Not very different at all. We're just as bloodthirsty as we were then. It's hate that causes this between factions, groups. Love does not do that. Love does not bring about the death of Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd. Love builds communities up, fixes relationships. Now more than ever, we need one another. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Why do you think people protest? They feel isolated, unheard. Compare and contrast societies and generations in the 1950s. Sure, things were really bad back then too. But in the 1950s, look at the community. Look at the family. People were together. People connected. People came together. People visited with one another. Now, 
It's a shock to have someone come to your house. It's a shock to get a personal letter in the mail. We are not bound together as a civilization anymore. We are a selfish society of self-interest, and we need to fix that. So starting today, when you turn on the news, and when you turn on social media or talk to a friend, remember 1 Peter 3 and 9. Not returning evil for evil or reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit blessings. And in Proverbs 26 and 20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no gossiper or liar, strife ceases. Stop feeding the hate. Stop feeding the anger. Do not oppress people with words. That is what causes them to fester, shrivel up, and to the most extreme, explode. Here recently, I attended a service in Mountain Home uh, at the Hope Center Church, uh, pastored by Jeff Morgan. And he had Dr. James Hughes preach that evening. And he preached on the power of the Holy Ghost in prayer. And in that, he discussed a scientific discovery and I looked this up. It comes out of Japan. And uh, last updated I saw in the journal was 2018. And scientists have discovered that words and sounds, music, affects the DNA of the body. Calming sounds and positive words heal the body, while negative words and loud, obnoxious sounds like rock or hip-hop cause the DNA to dismember and contort. So, words have an impact in our life. Words have power. And simple science tells us that every action has a reaction. If we are going to hit someone, they are going to get angry and most likely hit back. But Jesus taught, if someone's to hit you, you turn the other cheek, which is showing love for the other person. So though the world may be in chaos and going through a difficult time of understanding one another... It is our time to build up the world by showing them our faith, by showing them the love of God. Because Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. It is our obligation to heal the world, not to fight hate with hate and cause the eyes of the world to be plucked out and go blind.
Sure, it seems extremely complicated, especially today, on trying to mend all the burnt-down bridges of our society, of all the different factions and groups that are out there today protesting, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be Antifa, whether it be the strong conservatives that are out there protesting the liberal governments of their states. Despite all of this, we need to remember that the word of the Lord is powerful. And we must remember that what it says shall be done. So we can look to Balaam, the wicked sorcerer in Numbers. He even says to Balak, God is not a man that he should lie. So we can look to Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Right now, as cliche as the statement is, we need Jesus in our society to bind us together. I watched a video just before making this podcast the night before. And there were the protests in Little Rock. And there, in this video, the man was speaking words of affirmation of God to the people of the Black Lives Matter movement that were protesting at the state capitol. And their reaction, some were appalled, but some listened. There is power in the Word of God. People can listen, and minds can be changed in the chaos. But even those who are not affected by it, We must remember that even God hardened the heart of Pharaoh because there are those that he designate for a purpose because they willingly chose the road that they went on. But we continue to act and do what the Bible tells us to and continue our road up our mountains to build ourselves up as Christians and to Be the clarity that the world needs right now. So how do we defeat the hate in the world, the chaos in this world right now? We must repent. We must pray. We must seek God for clarity. And we must put away our wickedness. Those things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouths that hurt and destroy others. And we must change ourselves to be lovers of friends. Have that philia, agape, and pragma love for one another. That's how we change our society. So to change our world... We cannot look at each other as different factions, groups, ethnicities, or ideologies. 
we must look at each other as actual human beings. And we must acknowledge the life, those precious lives lost in Ahmaud Arbery and Frank Lloyd. We must listen to one another, embrace one another, and pray for one another. That's how we're going to get back on track. And that's how we're going to solve the problem in this world. Guys, I challenge you, end the hate. And let's share that love, that agape, pragma, and philia love with one another. I understand that this podcast was a little longer than what I would initially prefer my podcast to be. And I had initially studied and put things together for a whole nother topic. But after these chains of events here lately, I just felt the need to do this podcast. And I really hope it spoke to you. And if it has been an impact to you in any way, I would ask you kindly to share this with as many people as you can because this message needs to be shared. This is the type of conversation we really need to have nowadays in our society. So if you would, please, again, share this with a friend. Rate me on whatever podcast medium you are listening on. And leave a comment. You can add me on Facebook at Darren Ray Waddles. Or you can add me on Instagram or Twitter at D underscore Ray Waddles. I thank you all. And I look forward to hearing from you. Until we meet again next time on Top of the Mountain.